tonight, uh, we're continuing in our series in 1 Peter. So if you have a Bible, you can begin opening there to chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to grab one after 180. would love for you to be able to take one home with you. Um, but we're continuing our series called Living as Foreigners in a Familiar World. Because what we've been looking at in 1 Peter is that while we are pretty comfortable and familiar with life here on earth, this is not actually our home. For those in Christ, we're actually foreigners or strangers, outsiders to this world. And we're journeying towards this future hope that Christ has purchased for us of a heavenly home. And everything in 1 Peter is helping us live in this tension of being in this world, but not of this world. Um, One of the privileges I have of getting to be on staff, you might have heard me talk about this if you've been around. Um, If you're new, I can share a little bit. One of the things I love about being in full-time ministry with crew is what I get to do over the summer. I get to help lead the Ocean City Summer Mission, which I know many here in the room have been to or are going to. I love it. Over the past few weeks, I've been getting to talk to people that are applying to go, to spend 10 weeks knowing Christ better and making Christ known. And I've just heard incredible stories. I, can't, I wish I could tell you all of them, but I've talked to a few guys over the past few weeks, and one just, both of them described uh, kind of the change they experienced once they, got, once they got to college. One of the guys said, yeah, you know, I kind of grew up, had a pretty solid church background. During the pandemic, had a lot of time to really read and really help me understand like the intellectual, the reasonableness of my faith, and that was incredibly helpful He said, I had this head knowledge. But man, once I got to college, I got involved with this group crew, and I started going to Bible study. He said, Jason, that's when things changed, because my heart now started to change. Now I started to know I had a real relationship with Jesus. And I talked to another guy, you know, I'd love to hear what kind of encourage you to go on a summer mission or apply for one. He said, well, before college, I kind of, um, high school, sports and partying, that's kind of what I did. When I started college, that's what I was doing. So interesting, what changed? He said, well, I was sitting on campus and two guys came up to me uh, and they just said, hey, you know, I'm curious, could, could we ask you some questions about your spiritual life? We'd just love to hear more about your thoughts about God and spiritual things. In that conversation, uh, these two guys, one's actually a staff guy, one's a student leader with crew on another campus, they're really taking interest in this guy's life and said, hey, could, could we actually share with you how you can know God personally? And they walked through the gospel, what Jesus has done, and, and this guy placed his faith in Christ, has now gotten involved in Bible studies in a community like this, and he said, everything has changed. This made me wonder, what is it about a community like this that leads to such life change. I mean, we could say something like, well, I would hope that we're a bunch of just fun, kind people. And I, hopefully that's true of us, but I don't, I don't think that'd be enough to see the kind of life change in the stories I'm hearing. Maybe you say, well, you know, anytime you'd have people all together with like a common cause and a common purpose, of course, there's gonna be some power there. Maybe that's true. But I think there's something even more. I think it's something that we'll see in 1 Peter 2 when we begin opening that and reading it. The thing that I think leads to such life change when people step into a community like this, 
or has stepped into communities like this throughout the past 2,000 years since Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, is that for us in Christ, who are followers of Jesus, we're a peculiar people with a peculiar purpose. We're a peculiar people with a peculiar purpose. And that word just kind of stuck peculiar. I was like, what, what is it about that word that seems to get at what's true of us that leads to such life change? And there's a few things about a definition of peculiar that I thought were really helpful. Uh, being peculiar means that it's characteristic of only one person or group or thing. There's something unique that sets it apart. But then that second nuance is true also for a community like this who's following Jesus. That it's just different from the usual, different from the normal. Maybe sometimes to those especially who are not familiar with something like this, a little odd and causing some curiosity. So tonight we're going to lean into this peculiarness that's true for us following Jesus. And we're going to wonder, do we believe this is true of us? Do we live this out? Do we embrace this identity and this reality? So let me read through 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. And you can follow up here on the screen if you don't have it in your own Bible. Um, so it starts here. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, and it begins quoting from a few places in the Old Testament, Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Talking about Jesus rejected, dying for us, but then rising again. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word and they were, as they were destined to do, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you, as sojourners and exiles, to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. There are so many things here I wish we could dive deeply into, but we're going to focus mostly on verse 9. Because we're going to see four ways that you and I, followers of Christ, are a peculiar people. So let me pull them up here. The first one is this says, you and I, if we're in Christ, we're a chosen race. We're a chosen group of people. That's fascinating when I look at this, because I think us, 
being followers of Christ makes us unique from a lot of other kinds of groups, from a lot of other clubs. There's so many things even you could be involved with on this campus, but there's something about us which is totally different. We're a chosen race. See, what unites you and I, and we need to be aware of this, especially in kind of the clash of cultures we feel in our everyday lives, it's you and I, what binds us together is not some common geography. We're not all from the same hometown, so we all get along. You and I, what binds us together is not some common ethnicity. What binds you and I is not even some common nationality. It's not some common interest. The thing that unites you and I together and makes us a people is the fact that the God of the universe has chosen you and I in Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought about that? The thing that unites you to other Christians runs deeper than any other relationship you could possibly have on the face of this earth. Deeper than any nationality. Deeper than any common interest. Deeper than any family ties. There's something about us, we're followers of Jesus, that unites us together. And I think that makes us a little odd and a little strange. Because that means in the midst of all of our differences and all of our personalities and all of our preferences, there's something higher that binds us together. We even sang a little bit about this earlier. We're chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. So we should reflect on what that means. When we feel pulled in so many different directions, pushed to fight with one another. What does it mean that you and I are peculiar people because we're chosen by the Lord. The second thing that makes us a peculiar kind of people is this says, you and I, as followers of Christ, if you believed in what Jesus has done, it says we're a royal priesthood. That is a weird phrase. I don't think many of us grew up around royalty. Um, if you did, please tell me stories because I would love to hear more of how that's true. We didn't grow around royalty, and most of us didn't really have priests growing up. Maybe a few in the room would have what we think as priests. Most of us, we went to church. It was maybe like a pastor. Um, this is really using, there's, all these passages are drawn upon Old Testament imagery. The priesthood in the Old Testament would be the people who worked in close proximity to the presence of God. There's actually, for a time, a physical place called the temple where God's people would come and God would come down and meet them. There's a place where there were sacrifices, um, animals offered up for our sin that we could be in the presence of God. And the priests were those who kind of lived and worked there. And they had two main functions. One is they themselves would praise and glorify the God of the universe who had called them. The other thing they would do is they would prepare this place for God's people who weren't priests to come into God's presence to give him praise and to give him glory. They did kind of this spiritual work. We kind of see this uh, a little bit earlier in the passage. Um, it says, you, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 
You and I are to be preparing a place where other people come into the presence of God. One of the guys I was talking to over the past few weeks, I asked him how he you know, got connected to crew. He said, well, can I be honest with you? I was like, yeah, that's what I love. He said, well, um, I was going to room with some friends. He said, I, I was kind of party scene, fraternity scene. I was looking to live at a house, and uh, my roommates got a place without, or my, people that I was going to live with, they kind of got a place without me, so I felt kind of stuck. Um, but I knew some friends from high school that were um, on campus, and they said, hey, could, is there a possibility where I could live with you? And his friend said, well, sure. Like, um, you know, I'm kind of involved with this group called Crew. It's mostly other crew guys that are living here. Well, we'd love for you to live with us. Um, we just ask one thing. Would you come to some Bible studies with us? Uh, and the guy I was talking to, he's like, oh, he said, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, that'd be great, man. I, I love Jesus things. And uh, he said, honestly, Jason, I, I just needed a place to live. <laughs> So I went to Bible studies, and I, I kind of hung out with these guys. But my motivations for going to Bible studies started to change. I was around this group of people that would open up the, the Scriptures, and God was changing their lives. I was studying the, the Word and, and talking about it, and God started doing things in my heart and in my life. And my roommates pointed me to Jesus. And, and now I love walking with the Lord. And I just thought about his roommates were living out this royal priesthood theme. They were preparing kind of an environment for their friend to know and experience Jesus. And I wonder for you, do you view yourself in this way? Do you think about the fact that God wants to use you to be the presence of God here on earth? That when people interact with you, you are somehow mediating God's love and grace and goodness to them in Christ. You're a peculiar kind of people. You're royal priesthood. The third thing that sets us apart is you and I were a holy nation. Again, these are all Old Testament themes. I wish I got to dive into each one of them more deeply. But it means when God calls you and I, he actually calls you and I to holiness. Here's the weird thing I want to say about you and I in holiness. One, this holiness is not a stuck-up, holier-than-thou attitude that we're talking about. This is a holiness, a set-apartness, becoming like the God of the universe who's made us, who's utterly pure and whole and good. And for you and I, who are following Jesus, holiness is not just an obligation. Holiness is actually a privilege. That might sound really weird. Like, what? Why is that a good thing that I'm called to holiness? I kind of like the not holy things in life. That's kind of weird that you would talk about this as a privilege. But for you in the room that have begun taking steps of faith to know Christ more, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, actually, yeah. As I've kind of said no to some things from my past, whether that's kind of what I was doing, living for the weekend, or things going on in my relationships that are unhealthy, actually, as I've started to say no to those things, 
and started to say yes to the things God's calling me to, there is a special satisfaction. There is a depth that God is kind of working in my life, and it feels special. It feels peculiar. It feels like nothing I could get anywhere else. So I wonder for you, as you're struggling through different, just, you know, we're all struggling through things in our life, personal things, relational things. Have you ever thought about the fact that what God's calling you to, to actually say yes to him and no to those things, is not just an obligation, not just something you do out of guilt, it's actually a privilege. He is inviting you to live the way he's always created you to live. To live like Jesus lived. The one who is life and who gives you life and offers you a new kind of way of being in this world. If you live that way, you're a strange kind of person. I felt that when I started saying no to drinking with my friends. They're like, why would you do that? That doesn't make sense. What we're doing is better. And I would say, hey, I understand. But for me, like actually following Jesus is better. And you get some strange, odd looks. I wonder if you, have you walked with Jesus in such ways that you get a few strange, odd looks from others? The fourth thing that we can't go into in much detail is you and I were a people for his own possession, meaning God's. We are different than almost any other religion on the face of the earth. If you were to look at any kind of other religions, whether that's kind of Buddhism, Hinduism, um, kind of other kind of offshoots, uh, kind of cults almost, you could say, off of Christianity, they all have this idea that you and I are working ourselves to be able to grab hold of God, to make God our possession. So through me kind of creating a good, pure life in some religions, I'm getting closer to grasping God. By meditating or emptying myself, I'm grabbing, I'm getting closer to take God as my possession. You and I can never, on our own, grab hold of God. The fact that you and I are chosen is because outside of Christ, you and I would never choose God. Not one of us in this room would ever choose God if God doesn't choose us first. Not one of us would grab hold of God if God had not grabbed hold of us first. No other religion has God come down in this way to get his people. And if we had time, we look at the earlier in chapter 2 where it says Jesus is the stone that the people rejected. Jesus is the foundation to set them up to know God and his people were like, no, we don't want this. We don't want you, Jesus. So much so they rejected him and they put him on a cross. When this stone comes in person, Jesus himself, we reject him. A stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. But he rises again and he takes hold of you and I. He takes hold of our life. And it says for us that he does this to call us out of darkness into light. I love this last part. So we've got the four ways you and I are peculiar people. Now we get our peculiar purpose. He does all these things that you and I may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
We all once walked around in some sort of darkness, not knowing God, away from him, away from experiencing his goodness and his love and his mercy, and now he's called us into his light. And you and I get to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into light. I wonder for you, are, are you a peculiar kind of person? Is there something different about the way you live because of Jesus? If you've not known Christ, I'd love to share more about who he is and why he's chosen you out of his depth of his love. Is there something about your life that is beginning to feel in a wonderful way a little odd, a little not quite normal, that sets you apart, not as holier than now, but set apart as distinct? Sometimes when I think about the world and you think about our campus, if you're to think spiritually, a lot of places feels a little bit dark, right? You might feel that if you're walking around on a weekend, but you can feel it in other kinds of ways. There's darkness that's not external, but it's more internal. The struggles you know your roommates have, your dorm mates have. God wants us to be these little rays of light, proclaiming his excellencies as we live out our new faith and as we even proclaim it, saying, come with me. Come with me into the presence of Jesus. So I want to invite you, as we head into worship, to pray, God, where are some places I actually should be a little more peculiar? God, where are some places where I've lived a little bit more what feels normal when actually you've calling me into what's different? Lord, what are there ways that you're moving me to proclaim your excellencies? The excellencies of you called me out of darkness into light. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Lord, thank you for the scriptures that teach us who we are. And I would pray for us that we would be the kind of people who would proclaim your excellencies, who would be okay being a little bit different, not for the sake of being different, but because of the ways you just change us. Because Lord, we know we're strangers and aliens in this world. We're created and bound for heaven. Would you help us to live out that reality now? Thank you for all that Jesus has done for us to forgive us of our sin and bring us new life. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks to our listeners for tuning into this episode of the 180 Podcast, a production of Crew in Southeast Ohio. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like, a share, or leave an encouraging comment, and that will go a long way toward helping others hear about the podcast. The podcast isn't the only thing that we do. Whether you're a student living on campus or if you're still at home studying virtually, we'd encourage you to check us out on social media to hear more about what's going on. You can follow us on Instagram at crew at OU, or to learn more about who we are and what we do, head over to our website, crew at OU.org. We'd encourage you if you visit the site to complete our involvement form to get more connected to all the things that are happening. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next Thursday for another episode of The Morning.